So good morning, everybody. You officially tuned into Universal right here, only here with the Queen, Lady AC. Just in case you forgot. <laughs> Hopefully, everybody had a good weekend, a good week so far. Cause we officially, of course, made it to Hump Day. Cause once we get over this hump, we get right back to the weekend. But for right now, we're gonna enjoy this moment. Or at least you're gonna enjoy it with me, as I always say. So yes, um, I had to take a little break for a minute because if, as you heard, or if you haven't heard, uh, the past few weeks, especially last week, was my birthday. Yes, yes, a girl tw- 27, so I'm owning it. I'm walking in it. So yes, and so you know, I took a, a minute to kind of step back and actually went on a little road trip for my birthday. And I would just want to say that experience has forever shaped my mindset and honestly my life in a way as well. And um, and it actually kind of inspired the show today. So um, because, you know, coming back, you know, kind of recuperating from your birthday, having a good time and really being involved and really, you know, <laughs> you're not just celebrating me. Because I think we all need to do that every now and again to celebrate ourselves. Especially in this time of day when, when they don't want us to. When they don't want you to. You know, and so I took that time to really celebrate myself. And me and my friends took a, a road trip to Montgomery, which is not that far from Atlanta at all. Um, yeah, and this is Montgomery, Alabama for anybody who doesn't know. Um, and there had an experience of a lifetime. And like I said, it expired my show for today. And what inspired, or the topic of the day, um, pretty much is about what I like to say is about toning down. Mm. Yeah. Because I can remember various points in my life, because. Um, you know, growing into myself and learning who I am and just being unapologetic about who I am. Of course, part of that is being unapologetically black and just loving my history and loving where I came from. That was very proud to show it. I was very proud to talk about it, very proud to educate people about it. And I always kept finding myself being put in this position to tone it down. Whether it was I was literally told that or I was subconsciously told that, whether it was from people that looked like me, people who didn't look like me, whether it was from the system, it came from so many different areas. And, you know, over time, I just learned about what it meant to tone down in a sense. And like I said, this birthday trip that I took kind of reaffirmed, reassured, or kind of set you know what? Honestly, it reminded me of how I had to try to turn down. It reminded me of the times I was told to hold back. But it also showed me the reason why it was so important to me not to. So, you know, I know you're eager to know what happened on this trip for me to get like that. So, I know, I understand. So, we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the show. But, of course, you know, first, I had to give you that good soul, that good music, that good spoken word. So, I got some more coming up for you this hour um, later on in the show. But, of course, right now, I'm going to throw you right into soul. So, yeah. So, stay tuned for that. Somebody else It never happened to me 
part of my design. One time. Living in my wild featuring Eric Roberson with One Time. And before that, I gave you music by Robert Glasper featuring Amira Sanid. Um, and that was their song collaboration called Somebody Else. As you hear under me, I have new bed music. So, you know, I'm getting a nice little new feel uh, here to the station. And once again, just want to shout out to everybody who has listened, who continues to listen um, continue to show love. Definitely appreciate you guys and and love everywhere for whichever platform you listen to me on. If it's here on the Anchor app, on the iTunes or Spotify or Google Play, whichever one you listen to me on, cause I'm on all of them. I definitely want to say I've been seeing that. You know, a lot of my other shows are getting a lot of traction, so I definitely want to appreciate you guys for that. Um, so going back to the topic of hand is that uh, the topic of the day is about toning down or how I've been told to tone down and in a sense it's almost like as we grow as we learn through life we're taught especially being people of color especially being black you're told to tone yourself down a lot to try to survive to try to thrive to try to be successful and as we see regardless of what position you are on that you're still held back or you're still told to you know it's especially as a millennial you know we're told oh go after your dreams but not like that oh live your truth but not like that you know (laughs) and and it gets a lot and i think another added layer of course is society as well so once again according to the dictionary tone is the first definition is a musical excuse me, a musical or vocal sound with reference in its pitch, quality, and strength. But also, a pitch is also known as a particular quality of brightness, deepness, a hue of tint, and a shade of color. And I bring up those two definitions to kind of show that, you know, when it comes to toning it down, that it's not necessarily, when I say tone down, it's not necessarily my pitch or my voice well it is but it's also the tone down my hue my color who I am what I look like and we're being told on so many levels to tone it down whether it's because of our hue because of our color because of our color to tone down the because we have a right to speak out and to own ourselves and to speak our history to speak our knowledge to speak our facts we're also tone to tone down in so many ways and so how it got reaffirmed over the weekend for me was so over the weekend I ended up taking a trip like I said a road trip to Montgomery reason I went to Montgomery because I know pretty like oh you took a road trip to Montgomery what's in Montgomery <laughs> so I kind of understand so I took a trip and there I went to the new museum that they built um, it's called, um, it's two parts, but it's called the, um, it's called the Equal Justice Initiative, and it's the museum, 
and memorial and one part of it is called the national monument of peace and justice and the other part is called the legacy museum from enslavement to mass incarceration and at this at this museum um pretty much they talk about or they give you facts and history laying out from the moment that um, enslaved people, I don't want to call them slave because they were, didn't volunteer at all for any of this. They were enslaved, they were put into it. Um, enslaved people from when they were taken from Africa, from the continent, and brought here to um, brought here to the states or to the various countries that they went to, but specifically you focus on North America, um, you know, when we were brought here, um, just the devastation, just the mindset, the tools that were put in place to keep us, keep us down. And what was so um, very powerful about this exhibit is that it looked at, and after even slavery was over, how they still used those oppressive methods to keep us down. And one of those ways was through lynching. And so the memorial itself was honoring the recorded or the known, um, the recorded or known lynchings that took place throughout the U.S. And what was very interesting is that the majority, and that I learned that a majority of the lynchings that took place within this country, the lynchings, basically murders of innocent black men, women, and children, because they lynched everybody. It didn't matter what age, how old you were, what you look, you know, what grade level, uh, what you wore, anything. It, they lynched everybody. Um, that, you know, it, it, how they did that, most of those lynchings took place in the states of Alabama, Georgia, and Texas. That was where the most aggressive were. But as you see throughout the South and even within the Northern states and the Western states, that lynching still took place. And so they literally had a memorial where, based off of the counties and the states, and they had them all in alphabetical order of the people who were lynched. And if they could, if they had the names of the folks, they list them. If they didn't have the names of the folks, they literally put unknown and the date they were lynched. If they had the name, they put the name of the person and the date they were lynched. And when I say for me, you know, coming from Georgia, just to see how almost every, if not every county in the state of Georgia was up there, was, was memorialized from the black life that was lost, it really brought it home. It was a really hard reality to kind of face and look at. And it was like literally these people were just trying to be people just trying to live their life, just trying to overcome just such a harsh reality of slavery and just trying to, you know, just move forward and, and just to be themselves. And yet, they were told to tone down with the cost of their lives. And so, you know, the mindset that first comes to my part of, like, when it comes to toning down is how society or how the system kind of toned us down and like for instance when it came to the lynching that was one way because it showed as an example to anyone else if not just those people's families but to the community wide it made examples of these people it was used as a method of control used as a method of fear which mimics what happened in slavery <laughs> is that you know when you learn the history and you see where we first came from before we were taken from the continent. You know, it's like uh, the one big question I always hear is that how, you know, for us to, you know, be such great mathematicians and, you know, farmers and workers and builders and kings and queens and, and all these different things, how can you enslave people with that mentality? Or who's done that much? And the way they did it was by manipulation. The way they did it was by devaluing, by treating you less than, by beating you if you had the chance, by enacting fear. Well, they may not torture you, but they torture somebody you love. They may have stripped away somebody from you that, you know, that was very close to you. If, at that time, if you were a parent, your children were taken from you. 
and sold his property. So you can only imagine mentally just seeing that does and it makes you reoccur and it makes you scared and it makes you put to yourself and it makes you go ultimately in survival mode versus trying to claim your humanity. And as we see that this pattern and what was very powerful, because I've said this on my show before, but to actually see it as fact, where they actually had a quote that said that slavery didn't go away. It just evolved and modernized. And that burned in me because that's exactly what happened. Because as, you know, the terms of what slavery or lynching or internment happened, that the system got wiser, the system learned, the system evolved to learn how to keep us down, to keep us held back, to keep us toned down. And in similar ways, they do that to us mentally still. But they just do it in a different way and to the point where it gets so good that we start to automatically do it to ourselves. So I, spoke, I found the spoken word that kind of speaks to that devastation, to that mentally how we internalize that toning down. So without further ado, here is our first spoken word. Right after. <laughs> seventh grade self. You are currently one of two black people in a class of about 80. Suffice to say, you speak for black people everywhere now. When your father asked why you resent him, your mother's blood still dripping from his lip, imagine a fairy tale. Make him a big bad wolf. Make a brick house of your notebook. Make him crawl through the chimney in every stanza. Tell him now this is how a man expresses himself when he's angry in high school when your heartbeat is a truth or dare wager between you and God, when every morning is a burden you went to sleep wishing not to wake up to, you will develop a habit of taking things that do not belong to you in college. And one of your two best friends from high school tells you when and how he tried to kill himself. Don't trade stories of failed suicides. Don't tell him about the time you tried to rip your soul from your skin, how you tried to take something that didn't belong to you. Tell him, yo, you're crazy. What are you, stupid or something? Your mother raised you better than that. Real men don't do that. I don't even know who you are anymore. Make him feel like dirt. Make him feel like nothing. Make him feel the way you did. When you kiss the business end of a nine millimeter Ruger, two rooms away from your sleeping mother, tell him his story is not finished, then push him off a cliffhanger, make a parachute of a poem to reel him back in, the same way God's love did when you tried to show off to heaven's doorstep, dear seventh grade self, there's a man in a mirror right now, making a noose of his necktie, there are people with casket tongues who speak too fluently the language of the dead, there are people with gusts of wind for words, blowing bodies off the edges of cliffs daily. There are people walking past you that only put their skin on this morning because it was the only outfit they had left. I know. I know because we become one of them. Contemplate for two weeks how to end our life. Sleep with a loaded pistol under our pillow and pray that it accidentally blows our dreams through the ceiling before the sun comes up. Dear second grade self, make no mistake. You will hate the metal you are made of more days than you can count or prevent. But how dare you take something that doesn't belong to you? I dare you to make your heart a revolver with all the chambers and none of the bullets. Make it safe to unload there. Life is a gun. And we all have to navigate triggers to handle. Sundays are easier than others to find your safety, but boy, you better find it. And the half-cocked smiles of strangers and the loaded laughter of friends. Trade in your ammunition for an amusement park. The truth is, the roller coaster never ends. But I promise, eventually, the ride is worth it. And that was powerful, wasn't it, though? Very powerful, very, very powerful. Um, that was our spoken word. First spoken word of the show in his name was Darius Simpson, and that poem was called 
dear seventh grade self and as you see how powerful how mentally that even at the younger ages as we grow into grade school how manipulative from so many different areas we're told to tone down we're told to you know how how <laughs> i guess being from the perspective of being black from the perspective of witnessing you know the idea of what being black is and all those different things that you come with a lot of pressure and it comes with a lot of internalized hatred when you're told that and so as you see in the poem how he talked about so many different things that led to him doubting him making bad choices or making choices that aren't like him and i think that's what happens when we start to believe or tone or really start to believe or assimilate to this toned down narrative is that we start to become not ourselves that we don't know who we are that we're told um for instance with the about showing about his mother how you know with masculinity and everything what we know from slavery you know it was stripped as far as you know masculinity and feminism was stripped away from us because we were treated so inhumanely that you know that we had to basically had to remodel what that meant and unfortunately through in some cases it was learned it was a learned behavior to be those stereotypes to be violent to each other to you know to steal to kind of fit that mode because you automatically are placed on that but at the same time you're told to be proper you're told to speak but everybody when you're in a room where it, the only tone that reflects yourself is you. So now you be, as he mentioned, now you're the voice for all black people. <laughs> so in these instances, when you know, from that to, you know, and there's so many levels that you can explain that on, but the way I interpret it and the way I fooled it is that when it comes in the perspective of toning down, um, that I speak about is that because of that platform at the same time you're representing especially when you're in all white spaces on you or not just even all white spaces such as a classroom but in the society and we're in positions where we're the only minority where we are the representation for each other that we're also taught this whole sense of survival sense of respectability that we have to hold ourselves up to a whole standard that we have to encounter and a lot of that is very weighing a lot of that is very mental but a lot of that is also reinforced trauma of behavior from the effects that happen to us such as lynching such as you know the Jim Crow such as the black code such as slavery and we don't realize how you know that was internalized and threw back at us and that, like I said, the system gets so good and gets got so modernized that it makes us do the work for it. So what we have to do is recognize for those kids who think it's too much, for the people who think it's so much that that tone down has got that, literally got that noose around your neck, that to loosen it and get rid of it and to understand that it is okay to question. It is okay to want more. It's okay to want to embrace and to redefine what you've been talking. It's okay to question because that's the key to overcoming, the key to listening, the key to growing into who you are and to learning the truth about who you are is that you have to unlearn you have to relearn, you have to break some of the ways that you've been taught, some of the toxic things that you've been taught in order to do so. So it's okay to have those moments where you realize it is too much. It's okay to understand that this isn't, you know, that it, how can I put this and to be real about it? That sometimes toning down honestly makes you tone deaf. That toning down makes you, it does more harm. Because the only person is pleasing is the people around you, not you. 
The only people is pleasing are the people who oppress you. So it's okay to learn that for yourself and start to navigate and find your way to break around it because just like he said, that while it's a roller coaster of emotions, a roller coaster of experiences, the ride is worth it. And it is. I believe it. And so that would narrow me and kind of reaffirm the mindset of that maybe this whole idea of being told to tone down isn't for me and it's not going to work. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later. You know, I'm going to pull it back. I'm going to pull it back because uh, I could go on. But, you know, I got a little bit more to kind of explain about that. So we're going to continue this conversation um, right after this musical soul break. So I'll be back. And hold tight. Welcome back, guys. If you just tuned in or if you're listening to me on the Anchor app, that was Yazara featuring Raheem Devon with Come To Me. And then before that, I gave you a cover by D'Angelo, the amazing D'Angelo with Everybody Loves the Sunshine, the old-time classic. So, yeah, giving you some nice soul right there. Um, and once again, just letting you know, the music that you hear on Universal, on this podcast, no way, shape, or form, is just 
like I'm taking credit for it or I own it. It's more just to expose you guys to amazing music out here, uplift these artists, and continue to show, you know, just the appreciation, just the talent that good music is still out here. And that's all it is for. That's its main purpose. Um, just to give the spotlight to these artists that deserve it. That I feel that deserve it. So <laughs> that's how we're that's how I do it here. Just give me that good stuff. But um, in the meantime, uh, going back to the topic at hand, like I said, we're talking about um, toning it down. So like I said, last hour we discussed about um, how internally that happens when you actually feed into that mindset of toning it down. So, you know, as you transition or as I learn from, you know, from the monument, from this trip is I also learned you know just that reality like it gave a harsh reality of what people that look like me really face just to see the names just to hear the stories you know of people that were lynched just for doing basic things or being accused of things that had nothing that they had nothing affiliated with but just all from the stigma or the inferiority of what it meant to be black is what killed them. And I think ironically, it's also what is used now to hold us down, to cause us to tone down. And so, you know, after a while, when you learn that and you see that reality of that, it makes you want to fight back against it. It makes you want to push back. Because I think for a long time, we kind of, fell to it you know and I think it was for survival reasons as well um you know you you wanted to survive you wanted your family to thrive you wanted everybody that you live with to be okay you know you wanted to see your children grow up you wanted to see your grandparents live you wanted to know that there was a better life than this you know and and you know, so I understand that to that effect, but at the same time, as you see, or as the museum kind of illustrated, is that it changed and it morphed um, as the system grew and learned from, you know, things such as, you know, the runaway slaves that still fought back, the um, slaves, that, uh, the enslaved, excuse me, that overthrew the ships, the slave, the once we were freed, the, the ones that broke the black codes, the ones that started the civil rights movement, as you saw that progression, that the system had to learn how to accommodate that and still learn to oppress us. And internally, like I said, they, they you know, they use methods such as, you know, mentally making it to the point where we start to tone ourselves down, where we had to learn how to assimilate, where we had to learn how to be more like them to survive. You know, and, and that wasn't right at all. And to be honest, it wasn't right at all. It wasn't how it was supposed to be, um, how it should have been. But that was the reality that a lot of us face. And so due to that reality, a lot of us felt it was safe or a lot of us felt it was better to conform, to tone it down, to tone us down. But, all, but as we see now, even now, that respectability doesn't save you, that no matter the amount of degrees, no matter the amount of religion, no matter the amount of character that you have, it doesn't matter that they still see you as less than, they still treat you as less than, and they have made it to where we start to treat and view each other as less than. And that has got to change. And like I said, like I always say on my soul, that starts with yourself. That starts with us. That starts right here in our hearts of learning, of learning the truth for once. And I think, like I said, the monument was, especially for me, the monument was the harsh reality because I saw people, I saw my county, my hometown up there on these monuments there were people who were lynched in my hometown 
and that brought tears to my eyes that brought something to me that really hit home for me because on the monuments just to kind of explain it just a little bit so as you walk through the memorial on the monuments like I said they lay it out based upon state and then the county of that state how you know who was lynched how many were lynched and the dates they were lynched and these were just and I think what's even heavier was just these are just the known people that were lynched so you can only imagine how many more stories we don't hear how many more people were taken from their homes in the middle of the night if taken from the jail cells for being accused of unjust crimes were taken in the middle of the night and given um, how their deaths, their lynchings were put as spectacles, you know, as, you know, they were put on postcards, their body parts were sold as souvenirs, you know, how all that torture, and then for it to transition to people, you know, not being able to sit or enter a room because of their color, not be able to ride a bus, not being able to, you know, you know, just do daily things that we do now. And although we fought against it, how it changes and morphs into the prison system that we have now, how it morphs into this racism that makes it okay for these cops to kill us, that makes it okay for, you know, us to kill us, you know. Uh, and it's so much to it. And I think the first step is that reality of seeing what the hatred has done, what the pain has done, what this lynching, this murders, is exactly what they are, have done. Once we realize that, we have to see, have to learn how to break those imperfections, how to come at ourselves. Like I said about, you know, we had to unlearn a lot of things and relearn, and one of those ways is learning that toning it down doesn't solve the problem holding back who you are doesn't solve the problem negating your history doesn't solve the problem you know what solves it is knowing who you are what solves it is owning your imperfections what solves it you know from the very basic level what owns it you know, is you owning who you are in every single kind of way, no matter what people tell you, how people tell you, how you look, how you dress, owning who you are, and as long as you can look at yourself in the mirror and be happy, that is the first step of owning and loving yourself. It is. And so I found a spoken word that kind of talks about that owning that perfection so here is our second spoken word of the show ode to my ripped pants the third ones this year Clean down the crotch and a patch of my boxers be a moon everybody wanna gaze at. Come child, let me tell you the story about my precision. How when it ripped, you could have sworn I soared from the free throw line. Jumped over a splintered fence, spread eagled atop a Jeep Wrangler. It was something like a movie though. The Three Stooges, Charlie Chaplin, a silent skit because you only heard the tear and the muted scream before cueing the laughter owed to my laughter. A rare and mellow trumpet, the right side of my cheek a cloud so when it moved it let out all this sun. And I don't think I need permission to deem this moment celebratory, to think my body so industrial that outlasts everything around me, no skin loss, no degree feathering to the ground. I am here growing. And the split of my seams remind me of how alive I want to continue being owed to my being, to my elastic flesh, to my stretch marks acting a fool, grooves of malt liquor skin looking like a galaxy made of soil. I have blemished this body to perfection. And I think about the time it takes to scar the skin so good it refuses to heal, owed to my healing. I mean, the last time I took my pants to a seamstress, 
and how she said, there is nothing that she could do. That I should either give up entirely or consider a more certified professional and how I accepted neither. Besides, what was she trying to say, huh? Was she trying to say that I needed therapy? No, she wasn't. But I still imagine me and the therapist, one that I should have booked a year ago, sitting in an Ikea decorated office saying absolutely nothing to each other. And she looks me dead in the eyes and she nods and she's like, huh, I feel you girl. Oh, to my free therapy. At Stevie Wonder, hotter than July, track three. Oh, to my free therapy. At my father's rusted waffle iron, never washed. Oh, to my free therapy. As an empty Bill Cartwright gymnasium. As a strawberry and pineapple smoothie. As a marathon of all four house party movies. Oh, to my ripped pants. The third ones this year. Yo, I forget how heavy I am sometimes. Might as well be blues. Might as well be Anvil dropping from the sky. Come, child. And let me tell you the story about a black woman who wears fedoras, jogger pants, and beaded necklaces. Let me tell you the story about a queer woman who skipped her high school prom for a basketball game. Let me tell you the story about a butch woman who ain't done naming herself yet. Yo, she erupted the seams, son. She got a mouth made of shaved knuckles, son. She washed all that respectability down with Sunny D, son. I forget how heavy I am sometimes. I forget how taxing it'd be to wait for another to lift me. And I bought a woman's suit once. It was charcoal and lifeless. I bought it for an interview for a job I didn't get, and I kept it in my closet for seven years just in case, and that is all to say that I tried to be obedient once. And I liked being a poet a little bit more, so I ripped, I ripped my pants, and so I will buy another. Nothing died, in fact, there is glory somewhere here, black girl. There is pride in refusing to be smaller for this world. Like, remember in middle school, when one of your micro braids fell into the sidewalk, and people wanted so badly for you to be ashamed, just because you left a piece of yourself right there, open for everyone to see. What's going on, St. Paul? How we feeling? It's always about you, confess, fainted Into an ocean, blue wine, breaking Unless we forget all of our regrets, I'm reading with you I deeply do exalt you, darling I do I should remain, you compensate, but I can't repay with love Never say never, I'm down forever, it's just a shame Because there's something about you Bye-bye.
Bum 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 bum